This episode of the Idea Dynamo podcast was recorded before the guilty verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Idea Dynamo podcast. I am the Idea Dynamo herself, Samantha Pierce. And this podcast episode is my obligatory Black Lives Matter podcast. Here we go. I'm not one to protest in the streets, or at least that's what I thought, until one of my children pestered me into taking them to what I thought was a vigil during the summer of 2020. Masked up and armed with water bottles and hand sanitizer, we walked downtown to discover that I had in fact been talked into attending a protest march. My 40 something year old self was not prepared to walk half the streets in the city. My legs and hips reminded me that I had given birth to five babies on the larger side of average. Walking in the masked crowd where volunteers handed out water snacks, fresh masks and squirts of hand sanitizer, I watched my child confront one of the pressing issues of their generation the recurring incidents of people dying during encounters with law enforcement. Now, as I trailed behind my child and their peers, I chatted with other parent chaperones about the passion of our children. I found out that the march I was taking part in had in fact been organized by youth in the city. I marveled at the tenacity of the generation I was raising until a forgotten memory of my own youth bubbled up to the surface. Picture it, 1990s. The weather is actually kind of nice. I'm clustered together with dozens of other high school students on a subway platform, listening to final instructions before we hit the surface. Remember, we are not from Bronx science. An organizer bellowed over the noisy crowd and the sounds of the trains. We paused and we chuckled. At that point, everyone on the platform knew we were from Bronx Science. And that was how my first ever protest march started. We hit the streets protesting budget cuts to the New York City Department of Education. During the day, I went home that day and scoured all the news channels to see if someone had showed up to pay attention to this group of high school students who were advocating for their own education. Never did find a news broadcast that bore witness to our actions that day. The sense of justice that might, that had my introvert self out on the streets of Manhattan in broad daylight on a school day was the same sense of justice that prompted my child to pester me about attending a Black Lives Matter protest. And that same sense of justice that made me give in to their pleading. There's only so much injustice that one can witness before the urge to flip tables and drive people out of places where they abuse their authority sets in. My child hit that point in the summer of 2020. I'd hit that point back in the 1990s. I know that Black Lives Matter, the organization, and Black Lives Matter, the plain statement of fact, are controversial. Don't at me. (laughs) 
some people don't like the organization. Okay. I don't have a dog in that fight. But some people take issue with the statement that Black lives matter. That's a head scratcher for me. My Black life matters to me. It matters to my husband, my children, my parents, my siblings, my friends, and my Black life and the lives of every Black person in America matter. They matter enough to receive equal protection under the law. Acknowledgement of our humanity and respect for our dignity as human beings. I'm the Idea Dynamo, Samantha Pierce, and thank you for listening to my obligatory Black Lives Matter podcast. Now this is the part where I go off script. I watched the Black Lives Matter movement evolve after the burning of Ferguson, the death of Michael Brown, the death of of many others since. And I watched as people formed their opinions about Black Lives Matter. Now, as I said before, there's one simple, straightforward truth that yes, Black Lives do in fact matter. Duh. But people insist on arguing about this. Why are we arguing about whether or not Black Lives Matter, whether or not we should say Black Lives Matter? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yes, in fact, Black Lives do matter. They matter just as much as any other life. And they should be protected just as much as any other life. That's really the the most foundational part of that message. Okay, yeah, the Black Lives Lives Matter organization, eh, there are dozens of them. Some are sketchy, some are legit. You got to know who your people are and pick the right people. But the simple fact is that Black lives do in fact matter. And the simple fact is, yes, the history of the United States is very sketchy when it comes to Black people. I mean, come on, my people are in this hemisphere because of some sketchy things that went down starting on the West Coast of Africa and ending in the Americas. There's no ignoring that. And there is no ignoring the fact that the birth of America was tainted by the fact that the founders allowed the poison of slavery to seep into the fabric of American life. That poison was there tainting everything that the founders tried to do. It tainted our constitution, it tainted all levels of society. And we have never really done the work to address what that initial poisoning of allowing slavery to thrive at the birth of the nation has done to us and what it continues to do to us. There there are still traces of that poison running through the veins of American society and mucking up the works. And that's the conversation we need to be having 
when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when it comes to race, when it comes to immigration, all of these things. We need to take a careful look and trace the veins of poison that started with allowing slavery to flourish in the country in the first place. Tracing the veins of that poison and seeing where it turns out today, where it ends up today. Because we never really applied an appropriate antidote to the poison that slavery was to our society. We've tried time and time again, the civil rights movement of the 1960s was a significant effort to expunge that poison of slavery and dehumanization and discrimination, but we didn't get it all. There's still some of that poison mucking up the works. Some of it's subtle, some of it is wrapped up in hopelessly complex and ineffective bureaucracies. Some of it is the indifference to the suffering of others around us. Some of it is outright hostility. That's the easiest one to deal with. Oh, okay. All right, dude in the white hood and burning the cross. I see you, I know who you are, I know what you're about, okay. But these other insidious manifestations of the poison of slavery in the society of the United States, those are harder to get to. And those are the things that are freaking people out because they don't want to think that maybe those, that, that poison of slavery and discrimination is floating around in the mix of the things that they love, they value, and they hold dear. But you know what? The fact that it might be is a pretty good reason for you to check. And it's a pretty good reason for you to engage in those efforts that will help remove that poisoning from your life. Now, there's a lot of argument about how we do that effectively. What are the effective ways to address lingering discrimination and dehumanization? It's a great conversation to have. What are some of the, what are the ways that we can address that? That's a great conversation to have. And it's a great conversation to throw out all the ideas, throw the best ideas that you have on the table and wrestle with those challenges with others. It is not okay and is not at all helpful to try to pretend that there isn't something there that needs to be addressed. Last month, March, a young man lost his life in an encounter with law enforcement because he was, he was having a mental health crisis. That is the lingering poison of discrimination and dehumanization that continues to poison our society. I've lost count of how many reports I've heard of random black person dying during an encounter with law enforcement. That again is remnants of a history of discrimination and dehumanization. In what's supposed to be a, an advocacy, a disability advocacy and support group, I saw people 
argue passionately that complaining that immigrants in America are receiving support from the government is wrong and that instead of supporting the immigrants in the country, they should be supporting people with disabilities, completely unaware of the fact that those kinds of arguments that divide people up into the group that you can discriminate against and the group that you can take resources from is exactly the kind of arguments that lead to people with disabilities being discriminated against because we get put into the category, into the group of people that it's okay to discriminate against, that it's okay to take resources from because, and people have said this out loud in public, we're not going anywhere anyhow. So why devote the resources to it? That is the lingering effect of the poison of discrimination and dehumanization that is making the United States of America sick. And so when someone says Black Lives Matter and there is this vision that runs through your body because you're not sure if it's okay to say that or not, you're struggling with the lingering poison that is still floating around in, in, in the waters in the fabric of American society. And there are things that we do that we see as all American that are actually lingering. They, they came about because of slavery. A lot of folks like to think, oh, those folks down South, they're uber racist, so, so racist. Not seeming to be aware that there were slaves in the North too. Not seeming to be aware that this, this economy of the South that ran on slavery provided the raw goods that ran the factories in the economy of the North. So it wasn't just the South that was benefiting from slavery. The North was benefiting from slavery. There were slaves in the North. And that's something that we need to, to wrestle with, wrestle with the implications of that here in the United States. The fact that the institution of slavery was such an insidious thing. It wormed its way into everything that was said and done and how the country was made. It wormed its way into foreign policy because there was that group of people who believed that they were the ones, the ones who had the power and the resources and thus believed that they had the right to decide for everyone else, including people on other continents. So yes, black lives do matter. And they matter enough that we need to sit down and take a clear and honest look at American society and tease out those things that have been tainted, that have been poisoned by our past that re rested on the institution of slavery. And it's, it's forever ironic that a country that was founded on rebelling against a tyrannical ruler 
nonetheless permitted the institution of slavery to flourish in their borders and did not have the moral backbone to say we are not those people. We are not going to do to others the very thing that caused us to rebel in the first place. That is something that we need to take a careful look at. We need to see clearly. We need to put down the partisan glasses. We need to put down the, the, the ethnic classes. We need to put down all those things that are clouding our vision and look carefully at what went into building this country, what went into building American society and recognize the things that are good, that are right, and also recognize the things that could be better were the poison of discrimination and dehumanization removed so that the thing could can function the way that it's supposed to, so that it can function as something that benefits all Americans, so that it functions as something that recognizes human worth, human dignity, rather than functioning as something that continues to perpetuate that discrimination and dehumanization. I'm looking at you, Health and Human Services. I'm looking at you, programs that are supposed to help people in poverty. I'm looking at you, programs that are supposed to support people with disabilities. All of those have been tainted by this history of discrimination and dehumanization because we're constantly looking for those other people, those unfortunate people and making what we do to them, the moral failing of those groups. And that's just not the case. It's not a moral failing to be poor. It's not a moral failing to have a disability. It's not a moral failing to be an ethnic minority. It's not a moral failing to be an immigrant. It is a moral failing to not recognize the humanity of people in those groups. Okay, now this is the end of my obligatory Black Lives Matters podcast. I am the Idea Dynamo, Samantha Pierce. Thank you for listening.